Greetings in Jesus' name. This is Pastor Sean, and you are listening to The Intersection, not your normal fluffy Christian show. And today I have a special fabulous guest, Mr. Ed Bondarenka from Our American Heritage, number one watched or listened to weekend show in America. And, uh, well, at least on Wham. So <laughs> so good to have you, Ed. Well, thanks. It's nice to be had. Appreciate that. Yeah. So we're going to talk first about COVID and this present situation, and because your show seems to handle a lot of that, and you have some special guests, and you guys, uh, you seem to have the the information to COVID. Are we, again, in a constitutional crisis in Michigan, and of course other states, uh, with the new COVID mandates that have come down? Boy, it's, I mean, you got to pick your constitutional crisis. Is it is it the votes in Wayne County, or is it the, the COVID restrictions out of Lansing? How true that you is. Know. So, yeah, let's go with the, the COVID first. Um, my understanding from one of my guests, well, if you recall, it's also nicknamed the uh, David Coleman Show because I have him on so often. He's representing so many people regarding the uh, uh, against the state and the COVID lockdowns. Coleman, uh, and I've got to give a plug to Great Lakes Justice Center that he's uh, that he works closely with. So he was telling me that this new rule comes from the from Robert Gordon. It's not directly from the governor. It's from Robert Gordon. So it's an indirect thing. Is that HHS? And or? it's HHS. Got it. And so he's operating under some rules that allow him to place restrictions on places that he actually has licensing authority over, which would be restaurants, to be uh, salons, bars, that kind of stuff. Not, not Thanksgiving dinners. That's one, you know. Isn't it sort of dictatorship via proxy? Yes, it is. And there's something interesting going on. There's a restaurant uh, group. And some members are suing uh, Gordon because of his activities here, saying this is not equal protection under the law. If you can allow so many people into a salon, then you should be able to allow so many people into a diner, into a restaurant. So people are, are it's not being fair to people. It's not equal protection. It is a constitutional issue. And that's going to court as we speak. I'd have to say that probably most of the mandates that have come down have been incoherent as best, sometimes contradictory, um, supposedly following the science and the epidemiology. Does anybody, as to this day, know where the science or epidemiology is coming from? Well, there's another guest guest I have, uh, uh, Matt Briggs. And uh, Briggs of uh, WMBriggs.com, he's the statistician to the stars, and he's been following this. He's been right on it. And he posted a graph that I've been trying to find, and he finally posted a couple days ago, that basically shows COVID, quote-unquote, cases going through the roof. Okay, This graph goes up. At the same time, deaths are taking a nosedive. So the cases are going up because of testing. And why are we testing, testing, testing? Why don't we test healthy people to see if they have COVID? The only reason is to do contact tracing. And what right does the government have to do of contact tracing of Healthy people. How, how um, paradoxical was it that Elon Musk goes and takes four tests and two come back <laughs> negative? And, you know, and, you know they, they don't want us to be conspiratists and wear tinfoil hats. But the more the stuff goes down, the more people they're winning over to conspiracies because Elon Musk did it on purpose. Yeah. Because he was trying to prove a point that he believes, obviously, that there's something going on in these inconsistencies. Are they front-loading tests, pre-loading tests? Are they, you know, what what is? are they just bad tests? They're bad but, tests. They so, pick up all kinds of stuff. You know, it's interesting you talk about the science. Well, Elon Musk 
Science, SpaceX, Falcon, uh, Tesla cars. I mean, science. He's yeah. the Tom Swift of our generation. You, people don't even know who Tom Swift is. But, you know, this guy is the, the guy. He's the Edison. He's the Henry Ford. He's, you know, the well, um, Tesla. <laughs> this generation. I was surprised how many people didn't get it either. Like, well, Elon Musk must have been really panicking to take four tests. And I'm like, no, he took the four tests on purpose. Mm-hmm. He was trying to prove a point. You know, uh, it's just amazing that we have shut down an economy and uh, probably jeopardized an election over a disease that has a 99.5% survival rate. Not to the population, to those who get it. A 99.5% uh, survival rate. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's something else going on. Uh, and we could get into all the draconian measures and what they mean. We could get into something called the Great Reset, which, you know, uh, today um, or, or yesterday New York Times came out and said was, a, uh, of course, a conspiracy theory. <laughs> even though we have Justin Trudeau, Prince Charles, uh, some Gianna lady who is... The, you know, ahead of the monetary fund, we got all these these bigwigs sitting around saying, "What a perfect opportunity for the Great Reset." Are they all just making up something in their own mind? Is it just? And these are these are these are not things that are being said behind the scenes. These are things being said in public on video. So, um, Rick Dieterine was playing uh, audio on Moment of Clarity last Saturday, another good show, and he was playing playing a uh, uh, tape of this guy Rupert something or other. But this guy was on Time Magazine, the cover of Time Magazine, The Great Reset. This is not a conspiracy theater. We're talking about the World Economic Forum. Correct. This guy named Klaus Schwab. That's the guy. Prince Charles. Gina Gopinath, chief economist in the International Monetary Fund. Antonio Guterres, the secretary of the General of the United Nations. I think that's pretty big. And CEOs and presidents of major international corporations. And they were all excited because they were going to use climate change to bring the Great, uh, great Reset. But it just wasn't. I mean, darn them palm trees aren't coming yeah. up fast enough. So they were going to use climate change to, you know, as a position to do the Great Reset. Which basically, the Great Reset is just... What people want here, a socialistic society, and they've gotten in many places in Europe, is they just want a a worldwide um, socialism, kind of based upon a Chinese model, which you know, that just looks real appealing mm. to have a Chinese model where you have capitalism controlled by the government. Um, but these are major names here for them to come out again. And then, of course, if you mention it, you're a tinfoil hat person. I've got a name. What's the name of that guy he's running for president? He thinks he's the vice president-elect. He had a campaign slogan. Is that Bo Jiden? Yeah, Bo Jiden. <laughs> old sleepy head. So he had, has a campaign slogan, Build Bigger Better, was it? Do you remember exactly? I'm, I'm at Build a Back Better. better. Isn't Build that... Back Better. That is the slogan of the Great Reset. Why? I mean, that's a coincidence. Oh, ads. You got What's a the odds? Huh? We're in here with our tinfoil <laughs> hats on right now, noticing all these coincidences. So- COVID is a is become a a, a well, let's say just a very um, let's say a quick way for them to speed these plans up and they're talking about the Great Reset being by 2030 so that's for those who think that's far off that's 10 years from now and for people our age 10 years goes by in a year but um, the fact is is that what we see happening with Donald Trump and his fight here for sovereignty and for for uh, individual rights is of is actually a global conflict going on. That that there's a a global kind. Con- we're kind of the last bastion standing. Hopefully, hopefully. But uh, you know, Build Back Better gets in. You know, I was listening on the on the way here to President Trump's last 
speech at the economic forum and it was painful not painful because it wasn't good because it's painful as he went over the statistics of how the american economies come back to think that there might be enough lugheads out there to want to end that because they don't like his personality could you imagine voting against your children's future and against your your life and your life savings and everything that you hold dear because you don't like the president's personality and christians Oh, the, the, the moral seekers who want to align themselves with the virtue signalers would rather vote for, for infanticide than for against a man's personality. I have to keep telling myself that President Trump received more votes, 70 what million plus votes, than he did in the last election. People have been prophesying that he would win in a landslide. I said as much. I didn't quote it as prophecy, but I felt that way, that he was going to win in a landslide. I felt that this is you know, this godly witness, and he did. He did. And I've got people telling me, oh, if he just hadn't tweeted so harshly, if he'd just had a warmer personality, he'd have won. They're like, no, you don't understand how it works. He won. It was the middle of the night. They tabulated how many extra votes they needed, found him, and brought him in. Period. Which moves us on to the next subject we're going to talk about, the elections. So Amazing. <laughs> so as a Christian, um, I'm being told that we should just leave it to Jesus, accept the laws of the land and the results, even if the election is being stolen. Um, I've had some Christians say this to me. Tell, tell me your take on this, that Bible prophecy is going to happen anyway, so we shouldn't resist it. Which makes me think that maybe we should have just voted for, yeah, <laughs> for Bo Jiden and socialism, so we could speed this. And, and, and literally, there's people who are saying that as Christians, we shouldn't even entangle ourselves. You know, we shouldn't be resistant of this. We shouldn't because Bible prophecy is being fulfilled anyway. I think it's kind of a way of just throwing up your hands frustratingly and saying, "Okay, well, let's just give up because God's going to have His ultimate plan anyway." But doesn't God give free will and give us an opportunity? to either slow or stay his hand at certain times of judgment uh, or, or, or even lengthen the days based upon our reaction as a people. God's given us a responsibility in this country. We have, and with great power comes great responsibility. We are American citizens. We are not subjects. We have the vote. We have a voice. We have the free press. We are not only allowed, we are expected to speak out and talk about the, the issues of the day, the people that want to kill babies versus the people that don't. Okay, you want to make it, make it real simple? People that want to kill babies and people that want babies to live. I'll take babies to live for $1,000, Alex, wherever you are. Yeah. Ab absolutely. And, you know, people say, well, you know, uh, single-issue voter, isn't there other moral issues that God's concerned about? Why, sure, but how do you overlook the— You know, I always—and people say this extreme. I always, I always uh, relate it to the people who say, well, you know— Germany's economy is doing so well, and I really don't like the way the, the Fuhrer speaks and, and all that. And, and you know, my, the, the, the Jews going to Auschwitz, but that's not the only issue. There's other issues in Germany <laughs> going on. You know, there's other economic problems. And, you know, you, know, you look at that and you think to yourself, um, how do we come to grasps for, um, how do we get past that issue, um, even on to the next moral issue when that one is still so? And, you know, I've heard people, well, Christians for... You know, there's not there's other issues, other things to vote on. That's not a single. It's not going to get overturned anyway. I've heard that. So we're supposed to stand by and accept something like infanticide. One of my um, earlier guests, a guy I've had on before, actually spent the night in my house once. He was visiting town. He stayed there. His name is Bill Federer, real patriot, staunch Christian, historian, author, 
And he, he was talking about the pietists who say, hey, stay out of the government. And he was saying, yeah, the government just loves that. The statists absolutely love that. Yeah, you Christians, stay out of the government. We can, we can bulldoze you. We can do whatever we want with you. But think about this. If the pietists were prevalent in 1776, we'd still be spelling the word color with a U in it. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm, I'm meeting more and more Christians who think that we should—it's more Christ-like to be subjugated— and to just bow our knee. And, you know, I understand loving our enemies and turning the other cheek and all of those things, especially in a personal fashion for someone who's personally. But do we stand by and let an election be stolen and be silent? Um, we're expected to. And unfortunately, much of that rigmarole is coming from the evangelical world of um, virtue signaling evangelicals who say, oh, Jesus wouldn't. He wouldn't do this, or, you know, like, Jesus would just let it go. And I'm thinking they must have a different Jesus in mind, because the Jesus I know tore the temple up, overturned tables, and drove people out with a whip. In other words, he's probably striking them, and still didn't sin because the zeal of his father's house had consumed him. Things weren't right in the father's house. Aren't we as Christians even expected to stand up and speak out when things aren't right in our country, when things don't line up? Should we just stand by and watch an election be stolen, or should we just stand by and accept infanticide because Jesus is nice? We should render under Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Who is Caesar in this country? It's you and me. Okay? We are the rulers. The president is elected by us every so many years, every four years, unless, of course, it's stolen away, and our representatives every four and two years to represent us. We are are the rulers of this country. It's our responsibility to render to our fellow citizens and ourselves those things which are our fellow citizens and our own. And that means vote and get involved. Make the place better. We're not going to make the world better. That's We know the end. It's going to slide. But there are souls to save in the meantime. There's freedoms to keep to do that in the meantime. There's, there's lives to save. And shouldn't we stand against the slide? You look at Daniel, who stood against Nebuchadnezzar, even though he served to the best of his ability. But when Nebuchadnezzar crossed a line uh, into his faith or into his conviction, then he said, no way. We see that with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see that with we see that with Jesus. When certain things crossed a line, at that point, there was no more room for compromise. There was no more room for discussion. He was going to stand tall. And I think as Christians, we actually sin by abdicating. You know, we, we complain about the education system or complain about government or complain about how bad the world is. How can we preach sermons about how bad the world is if we abdicate all of its power over to those um, who don't share the same views as we do? Be part of the solution. Don't be part of the problem. Isn't that what the left says all the time? <laughs> <laughs> so to our, I guess we would say to our virtue-signaling, Christian evangelical, hacky-sack-kicking Jesus dreadlock-wearing brethren, who we love with your sandals, who think that uh, it's more important to be on the right side of public opinion, um, who think that we should just concede, or even think that we should just immediately support. Now, guess what? We are to pray for the—the the Scripture does not say to support rulers and authorities. It says to pray for them, to pray that they could be changed, their mind would be changed. But it doesn't say to support what they do, especially if what they do is evil. So while I would pray for a President Biden, I would not support his practices of wealth redistribution, of abortion, of sexual immorality. I would not support any of those things. Um, but I guess what's maddening sometimes is to wonder what can we actually do is, doesn't it sometimes it feel a little powerless because it seems like 
those who steal win. Those who are corrupt get away with it. Those who aren't get persecuted. Those who speak justly get silenced, and those who lie get promoted. I mean, isn't it some? It's, it's maddening at times. One of the greatest disappointments in my life was to hear President Obama stand at a podium and say that with his election, the seas would recede, the earth would heal, and worms did not consume him immediately. You know, I mean, like, come on, God, you did it before. <laughs> kind of appearing, <laughs> yeah, comparing him to Herod, Herod Agrippa yeah. there. So. so, you know, but I lived, and we went, we moved on, and, and he's gone, and we got Donald Trump, particularly because of eight years of Obama, we got Donald Trump. And the, the, the planet, I mean, we have Middle East peace, we have, you go down the line of what we have, you know, with Donald, President Donald Trump. And so there are forces that are trying to undo all that, evil forces. And we need to pray against those evil forces every night in Michigan. House of Prayer, 9 p.m. Google it, folks. I don't have a phone number on me. Every night, there's a conference called Prayer at 9 p.m. And there's been a movement to pray every night at 8 p.m. My phone is set to remind me, myself and my wife, that it's 8 p.m., so I have to stop watching what I'm watching, even if it's Tucker Carlson, and, you know, pray for the nation. And we, yeah, and, and more than ever, we need to uh, to intercede because the Scripture says that we can change things, that if my people would humble themselves— um, they would turn from their wicked ways, they would repent, that God would hear from heaven and heal our land. So we absolutely have a part to play in uh, in the, the way the nation goes. Um, so what do we do about the disappointment, or at least, of, of sitting and watching, as Christians, we're sitting and watching what we believe to be one of the greatest uh, atrocities against the Republic. We're watching an election where... Um, and, you know, they're going to ridicule us and say it's just sour grapes and disappointment and should concede. And there's been, you know, it's funny, the same people who said the Russians by via Facebook ads, by the way, you know, that Russian collusion amounted to Facebook ads, right? <laughs> so the Russians so infiltrated Facebook that the $5,400 or whatever they spent changed the whole, <laughs> you know, I see memes every day that don't change my mind that I know people spent more than 5400 bucks on. Why that did- was, that was the, so when people hear Russian collusion. They don't define it. They say, oh, they were hacking machines or they were changing. No, they took Facebook ads, people. That was Russian collusion. The Russians are so stupid, they didn't even think about Dominion software. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know, yeah, leave it to the Americans to do it better. So the same people telling us that the 2016 election was corrupted by the the Russians and that Donald Trump's an illegitimate president are now telling us we need to just sit down because this was the most secure, perfect election. I mean, because, of course, Joe Biden got 7 million more votes than Barack Obama. Yeah. I mean, the people were so excited about Joe. I mean, Bo Jiden. They were so excited. And they flooded. Flood. And then the best votes money could buy. That's and what then he's got. Minorities voted for Trump in a larger proportion than mm-hmm. any Republican president, yet Joe still took so who are these secretive voters? These ones we don't these ghost voters we don't know about. Well, I think hopefully we find out. Because 154,000 of them cast ballots at 3 o'clock in the morning after Donald Trump was several hundred thousand votes ahead in Michigan, 700,000 votes ahead in Pennsylvania, and all of a sudden, the counting stuff. Can we ascertain clearly that right before our eyes we're being told not to believe what we see? We must continue to pray, because this may be God's hand. This may be God's hand of cleaning this up. You know, it looks disappointing. There's so many times I've gone on a wild ride in my life, get fired from a job and go, oh, woe is me, I'll never work again, and then find out, oh, two weeks later, I'm working in a better job with more money. Thank you, Jesus. It's just a wild roller coaster. It's called life. And God does stuff. Sometimes you don't want to move, and he wants to move you. 
And I can tell you, if Ed got fired from a job, it's probably for something he did right that he wasn't supposed to be doing, but he did something, stood up for his faith or did something, you know, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, it's politics. (laughs) Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Christian response, uh, we pray, but we were active. We're active. We should be active. Um, We've seen three new Supreme Court justices. That's exciting. We've seen an economic turnaround. We've seen religious freedom restored. We've seen, you know, even as a pastor... I remember the Obama years, and you know, I'm sorry to say that probably just the the uh, I would say the um, the pressure. It wasn't even conscious. The unconscious pressure to to monitor how you say things. Not that you wouldn't say them and everything else. And then when President Trump came out, there's sort of a, sort of a boldness that even I believe came on not only the political community because people said, "Wow, you can say that and, and not have to apologize." Merry Christmas. You, yeah, you don't you don't have to be beaten down through these uh, quote unquote uh, speech, you know, these unsaid speech laws. So pastors started to get bolder too and started to preach against sin again and started to call things. And you know, there, this new boldness came on. So um, I would hate to see people begin to retreat again because you know identity politics are going to be it is the way that communism is well they do say that under a biden presidency it'd be safe to say happy holidays again <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point it'd be safe to say happy holidays and unsafe to say a lot of things um so as christians we pray we're active we should vote should we be protesting mm. these types of things that we see wrong should we mm-hmm. be speaking out verbally like we're doing now should pastors be saying things from the pulpit? Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, there's that 508. Uh, re-register your church as a 508, and you don't have to worry about anything from the IRS. You don't have to be a 501c3. And, you know, a lot more freedom. Even though I'd stand up, nobody's been persecuted under 501c3. They've just been pressured, but nobody's ever been taken to court over And only one side's been pressured because— there's all kinds of churches who host Democrats. And, I mean, I, Clinton I, 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 banquets I, at their church pulpit. Yeah. Well, I watched the one where they had the God bless Planned Parenthood. It was like the blessing of the bikes, but they were blessing the abortionist. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought to myself, like you said, where are the worms? Where's the asteroids? Yeah. I mean, you're standing up <laughs> proclaiming God bless an institution that's destroying children. But um, so Christians, we should be bold. We should be strong. We shouldn't faint. We are the asteroids. We are the we are the ones God wants to stand up and do something. It would be on us if we didn't do anything. Absolutely. Um, it's sort of easy to push things off on God's sovereignty. You know, God's sovereignty, so we don't really need to. But yet, so many times in the Scripture, we see God asking us to be involved, to pray, to seek his face, to we can change things. Uh, Lot didn't get destroyed in Sodom because of the intercession of Abraham. So we can see that we have power. Moses kept the nation of Israel from being annihilated by his intercession. So intercession is powerful so i want to thank ed my brother in christ and fellow warrior of the radio waves um number one show on saturdays nationwide and uh, he gets kicked out of that but uh, thank you for being here and uh just uh, why don't you give a salutation and my guests move on to lou dodds remember that <laughs> you're next if you want to be on lou dobbs <laughs> go on ed's show first no you're on my show so you'll end up going down oh. No. You'll 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 have to go on to like a podcast that no one listens to or something. Because <laughs> mine's the number two listen show on the weekends. Remember this that. This is an so. awesome show. I appreciate that. So, so until next time, this is Pastor Sean. May God richly bless you. We're the bad news. We're the young guns. We're the ones that they told you to run from. Yeah, the player's gonna play and the hater's gonna hate.